When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Book four. Are you afraid of poison? Asked the old woman. Here, I will cut the apple in two. You eat the red half, and I shall eat the white. Welcome to Prince Kythian Pod, a Marissa Mara Book Club podcast, where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. Today's special episode, no, today's a regular episode, but my notes still say special, sorry. Today's episode is brought to you by Ranthi and crew patron supporters, thank you. Please welcome back Drew and Cassie from Of Slippers and Spindles podcast. Are you saying that us being here is not special enough to qualify as a special (laughs) episode because the episode that comes out before this one is a special bonus episode with author sumaya haji who wrote a fanfic about omega bob so it said special in the intro and i'm lazy and i just copy paste so i I see i didn't take out the word special when i was doing my editing of my copy paste um so yeah if you're listening to this hopefully you enjoyed the omega bob episode so the episode isn't special, but that doesn't mean that we're not special. You guys are very special. Thank as you. I'm always talking about you on episodes. Every time you mention us, I'm like, Bethany mentioned us. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the episodes that I do with you, Bethany, are why so many of our listeners apparently believe that I have a library science degree. Yes. Because in our Ask Me Up Anything episode, we got like two or three questions about it. like cassie where'd you get your mls and i'm like i do not have one of those you have the experience of it though i do have the experience of it but i do not have the actual degree i do and i have the degree so i super impressed very expensive piece of paper (laughs) right exactly i highly impressed a mom today because i knew the dewey decimal number for sports off the top of my head hey and i told her it wasn't impressive because i didn't know the the decimal for um soccer which is specifically what she wanted yeah i gave her 796.3 because that's what all sports are but see and i would have been wrong because i was thinking sports was eight no eight is literature and and uh poetry yeah every time the three of us get together i end up just sitting here while y'all nerd out about library stuff and i'm just sitting here like i mean it's fun i love it but i can't contribute Miss Cassie, what does your board say? I just see whatever. Oh, my board says um, whatever the weather. Nice. And it is the sign that I made for the graduation parade of my 2020 seniors um, for my theater group because um, dating back to the theater group I was in with Drew, uh-huh. uh, we had a pre-show ritual called Pinkies where we... In a very cult-like fashion. Um, <laughs> stand in a circle, link pinkies, and chant. And there's like and candles in the background and the lighting is dim. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might as well have been. Um, and the, the rhyme is, um, whether the weather, whether be, the weather cold, be cold or, or whether, whether the weather, the weather be, hot, be hot, we'll be together, we'll be together whatever, whatever the, the weather, weather, whether we like, whether it, or we like it or not. And I that kind heard of... that before. I've heard yeah, that. Yeah. That became... Like, it's always been a, an HYT thing with my theater group, 
because I made it a thing. Um, <laughs> but especially during 2020, when everything was like falling apart, um, whatever the weather really became our like solidifying kind of mantra. Like if there was ever a time for the words of pinkies to ring true, <laughs> it was during the you know two years that the world broke. Um, so I made that sign for their graduation parade and now it's just on my wall awkwardly i love it and then this over here is the what shakespeare play should you watch flowchart yes Um, did you make the flowchart i really want her to I did not. It is from uh, Good Tickle Brain. And if you're not familiar with Good Tickle Brain, you should visit goodticklebrain.com. Um, it is, she, her name is Mia, and she is a Shakespeare scholar who specializes in stick figure Shakespeare, which is what this flowchart uh. is. And she has a series of comics that are like three panel Shakespeare. It's every Shakespeare play in three panels. Um,. And it's, I actually it's phenomenal like and marvelous. Ten minutes talking about Shakespeare during my presentation last week, and there was um, a couple of English, like high school English teachers, that were there that were like, "We're so tired of Shakespeare," and I'm like, "Yeah, but you guys require kids to read it, so it's going in my presentation." Mm, that's fair. Yep. Yeah, you did it to yourself. Right? But there's really cool graphic novel versions of a lot of classic literature, including Shakespeare, Tale of Two Cities, and lots of other ones that we require kids to read at school. And so for kids who don't want to read it, I suggested graphic novel versions, which have been very popular. So that's good. Yeah. I was just thinking the other day that I want to read a retelling of A Midsummer Night's Dream that's not modernized. Everybody modernizes it. I want something else. You should write it. I I tell you what, Drew. Do you know who has? Do you know who has a retelling of A Midsummer Night's Dream? Is do it you? Cassie? No, it's Mercedes oh. Lackey. What? Oh, that doesn't count. Why yeah, doesn't Mercedes count? Lackey. Mercedes Lackey is amazing. He won't read Mercedes Lackey. I can't do it. I I tried. I tried so many times. Okay, I will. Marissa, if Marissa, there was Mercedes Lackey when it comes to fairy <laughs> no, retellings, right? No. I mean, she is prolific. She is in the top five, like, right. fairy tale retelling people. I will totally admit it. I, I it's like her and Robin McKinley were the, the yeah. OGs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gil Carson Levine. And Gil Carson Levine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I can't do it. I just, I can't finish them. Every time I try, I, I can't do it. Is it style? Like, you don't like her writing I, style? or I don't know. But I am willing, if it ever comes up on our podcast and we, like, need to, or there's, like, an especially standout one that Cassie was like, we gotta do this, I would I would do it. Cinderella. Oh, no, wait, you guys just did Cinderella. Well, her Cinderella, Cinderella is the is really one good. that I got her, uh, what's it called, Phoenix, Phoenix and Ashes? Phoenix and Ashes is one of my favorites. Yeah. It's one that, of my favorites of hers. If we ever come back to Cinderella, which inevitably we will come back it's to Cinderella, really, I would be good. willing to do it. That's uh, the one that I like got furthest in. I think I got like halfway that, through it. That is my favorite of her Elemental Masters series is that one. And then the Fire Rose, which is her Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um. The others, it, it kind of depends. But no, her, her she's got a series where the first book is called Ill Met by Moonlight. And the main characters are Oberon and Titania. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And they are conspiring to put Elizabeth I on the throne. 
Oh, interesting. Is kind of the the premise. So, but is that the retelling, or it's just like well, it's just characters? it's Oberon and Titania and Puck. That is it's not, not the like, same yeah. because <laughs> I, I like Oberon and Titania quite a lot. But I, for me, the, my favorite plotline in Midsummer is the lovers. So I really care about Lysander, Demetrius, Hermia, and Helena. And if okay. I ever write my version of a Midsummer Night's Dream, let me tell you what. Demetrius and Lysander are ending up together, and Hermia and Helena are ending up together. Valid. I think it's so funny that you it's keep right saying there. the name, though, because that's supposed to be <laughs> a jinx, right? To say the name, or is that only if you're performing? It's oh, no, wait, only no. it's it's only Macbeth, and okay. it's only it's inside only a theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If yeah, you say it, yeah. if you say it inside a theater, the more superstitious theater people will avoid saying the name entirely. Okay. Um, okay. I'm gonna have to have so my my summer show is called Shakespeare. And it is all 37 of Shakespeare's plays in 90 minutes. And I'm going to have to have a that talk with my... so intimidating. It's, I wish you no, all it's so much fun. It, like, because every play, most of the plays are getting, like, no. 30 seconds. seconds. Like, yeah. How many did he like, write? It's, a little, it's more than 37. Think, it's 37 altogether. Yeah, too much. But, time. like, this show... So if it's show, a 90 minute play... Yeah, the show is split minutes. up. Like the first oh act gosh. is all the histories, less, less. so it's literally just like running on and being like, "I'm king," and then somebody comes on and stabs him, and it's like, "No, I'm king." So like, depending <laughs> on the play, sometimes they'll get like maybe four or five lines, and then Hamlet and Macbeth each get their own like section. Hamlet is the longest; it gets twelve minutes of the show. Okay, there you go. Um, but I'm gonna have to have a talk with my very superstitious cast, um, in the first <laughs> rehearsal, and be like, "Listen." The curse does not exist for our show because we are performing a Shakespeare adjacent show. Can't you just have a nickname? Should, and, and we will. Well, like call you, it Mackenzie like, or something. You call it Mackers. Well, that's what my friend group calls it. Oh, Mackers. okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but like, if somebody's if we do that and then somebody says Macbeth, like, I'm we're not going to freak out. Like, it's not going to be a thing. No bullying. You should invent a ritual that negates the curse. There they don't is need to know that you. Oh, there is? You go outside, you turn around three times, and then you spit. Perfect. And then you come back in. No, there's already a way to break the curse. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love this so much. Oh, so just teach them the ritual, and now everybody knows the ritual. (laughs) We've taught my listeners uh, curses and rituals and how to break curses before you guys have actually introduced yourselves. Well, oh you yeah! Said Hi, we we're Cassie and Drew. <laughs> I'm Drew. I'm Cassie. We're from Of Slippers and Spindles. <laughs> On sorry, our podcast, it just occurred to me we... that you guys hadn't actually said uh, who you were yet. <laughs> so I said our names. I thought that jumping counted. in at episode 157, but you it's never like, know. Who are these people? Listen, my um, <laughs> my husband and I like to do escape rooms, and. We and once, I work for an escape room company, so we that's we, we did one in Virginia a few years ago. Um, that was Edgar Allan Poe themed, and Ooh. they did a thing where it's like we have eight slots in this time frame, and if you only have four people in your group, then that means that there's four open slots, and so they'll put random groups together. And so we got thrown into this escape room with four people we did not know because there were four people in our group. And they read us the rules, and we all, like the eight of us, just jumped in started solving puzzles, got the second fastest time solving the room, 
And then all filed out, got our picture taken. And they're like, well, great job, guys. And then we all looked at each other and went, so I'm Cassie. Because <laughs> we had not, none of us were like, we should, get, we should talk about who we are. We should introduce ourselves. No, we were like puzzles. That's so get funny. Get to the point, solve the puzzles. I love when people so, meet sporadically like that and are able to connect so well. So when I would have like a mixed group like that, I would pause before we start and I'd say, okay, let's just go around and say our names real quick. So everyone knows who you are, but they didn't do that for you. And the other thing is, I know that sounds like intimidating to like get thrown in with strangers. Obviously it worked out very well for you, but I've seen like crazy things happen where um, they'll like book another game together. They'll like get out and be like, we work together so well, let's do another one together. And I've oh, seen fun. people go out to dinner together and I've even, I would, I'm not witness to this one, but I have heard of people being invited to weddings because they like became such good th- friends there's a romance being novel thrown in into an escape oh, oh yes right. i would love there's, it there's a romance novel in this and i'm here if for I it. if i write one yeah. i'll give you guys credit in the acknowledgements i'll dedicate no, the, the book to you thank you the biggest thing I, I remember from that particular game was that it was like all of it was like edgar Allan poe themed and it was like you have to find his body and figure out how he died and I'm like, but oh, I, but I know exactly. Like the whole thing was like historically <laughs> and factually inaccurate. Yeah. And so I was like, but he died randomly in a ditch, like with Wait, no clothes can, on. Well, like, I thought it was on it was a. Him. Yeah, he was wearing no clothes. He's been. Yeah. yeah. There, it was he, a very suspicious circumstances. Yeah. Um, and, and he hadn't been seen unsolved. for like 24 hours or something yeah. like that. And yeah, very suspicious. He died under very mysterious circumstances. Yeah, there's lots of books and movies and TV shows that like, I don't know. I don't know. Write their own version of what, um, what happened to him. Wait, I have to take us back to escape room romance ideas mm-hmm. because I have to tell you about the time that a guy came in on a first date with a girl to play this escape room and had played the room before and was intentionally bringing her in to impress her with his regular wit. I'm good at like figuring out puzzles and Quentin is very, um, I don't know, he just has one of those like he's got an authoritative presence, you know even if he's not like bossy or anything. So I feel like if we were in one of those situations, like the door would close and he'd be like, all right, I'm Quentin and this is what we're doing. <laughs> and that would just be you like need that person sometimes though. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's become the thing that we do when my mother-in-law is in town is Aww. the three of us will just go do an escape room together. Aww. Um, and now she's moved up to my neck of the woods. So my mother-in-law would never, <laughs> we, we have to keep going further abroad because we've done all the ones in our area. Yeah. We have to, like, wait for them to put new rooms in. But they just opened a new one near us that we went and did. It was, like, the Wizard's Tower was the theme for for it. Um, and it was, like, the highest quality escape room that I've been in before. Oh, really? Like, they That's did a awesome. really good job with it. And it's, like, above. It's, like, it's like the second floor of a roller rink Yay. that they transformed into an escape yes. room. Just bring the whole basket. Quentin, I ran out of yarn, so Quentin is here. Oh, no. Do you want to say hi? <laughs> Hello. Hello. He said, hi, Quentin. I ran out of yarn, so he brought me some. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. He's very handy to have around. So, of Slippers and Spindles is a fairy tale retelling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Um, 
It's I'm beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Listen, it is it is ten o'clock at night my time, so we oh we gosh. can get this train started, and I won't be mad about it. Right, we have so. to. You're the you're the one that's really good at like back back to what we're gonna do really fast is I do have an email that I'm going to read really quickly. Hello, Bethany in parentheses, Ash. Thanks so much for answering my question during your Ella Enchanted episode. It was wonderful to get to know you and Ash a little bit better. I have a question for in the future. Could you ask this on every episode of your guests? What they like about different friendships or what they think each friendship should have? Doesn't have to be a long answer. I just really liked your feedback and would love to know what more people have to say. Thanks, and as always, don't get glamored. In the name of our immortal, <laughs> in the name of our immortal savior, Marissa Meyer, Lieutenant Jason. So thank you, Jason. <laughs> I love the Lieutenant Jason. That makes me so happy that like he always signs his emails, Lieutenant Jason. Is it spelled like Jason, like Winter's Jason? No, it's J A S O N. Yeah, but I, we can change it. <laughs> I'm changing it, Jason, right now. <laughs> Tell your mom. <laughs> so what do you guys have to say? I don't know if you listened to the Elle Enchanted episode, but um, what oh do you gosh. have to say about friendship? No, Bethany, I listened to all of your episodes and I've been Aww. saving the Ella Enchanted episode. And so I haven't listened to it yet. And now I'm like oh. devastated. Like oh, I'm missing the context because I well, saved that so one Jason episode. Jason emailed and um, he asked a question specifically of me and Ash, my former co-host, because she and I are mm-hmm. best friends. And he knows that we are still friends, even though we don't do the podcast together anymore. And he knows that we are still friends, even though she now lives in Colorado and I live in Nevada. So he wanted to know what... What we thought the secret to a great friendship was and she and I went back and forth for a good like 20 minutes discussing like what we thought the answer was and why we thought our friendship um, was special so what do you guys think is the key to a good friendship you go first oh gosh <laughs> This spot. is like a huge question this is a to, big, very big to question. throw at us my goodness I'm sorry I, I will say that some of the best friendships that I have are the ones that allow breathing room in a way. Ooh. Like, love it. I have friends who, when I when I first met them and when I was super super close to them, like we were constantly together. Like you know, they were college friends, you know that kind of thing. And then as we grew up and and moved into different portions and chapters of our lives um i had some of those friends who didn't handle that transition as well and who like every time you reached out to them to like say hey how are you doing it turned into oh well it's been a really long time since you talked to me like Mm. you know that kind of thing and those friendships become harder for me to maintain because i know that if i reach out it's just going to be a guilt trip about like why i haven't been in touch but I have other friendships where if I hate, you know, send them a message going, hey, I'm thinking of you or I saw this thing and we can just like pick up and have a conversation uh, like, you know, no time has been lost because there's that understanding that like life is busy and it's crazy. And sometimes it's all I can do to like keep going on my path with my stuff and I don't necessarily have time to like actively maintain these old friendships. Um And so I appreciate the ones who are able to say kind of like, hey, you know, I hope everything's going well. And, you know, just let me kind of pick up where we left off the last time without 
making me feel guilty because especially if I've been super busy and I'm aware that it's been a while since I've talked to them, I don't need to then feel guilty as well about, you know. Does a so, part of so you I, feel guilty even when they don't? Like, yeah, definitely. Like, you or like I know that. that or... So I I spent a lot of my childhood um, moving around a lot because of my mom's job, and so because that w- was happening when I was so young and I was like forming my life experiences, my brain tends to compartmentalize people and assign them like time periods in my life. And so it's like, okay, this person was my friend in college and I'm no longer in college. Therefore, that box is on the shelf. And I have to actively work to like overcome that mentality. And so I I guess like for me, the friendships I value most are the ones that allow me the grace to work on overcoming that mentality. If that makes sense. I think that's very well said because – not as a child, but like as an adult, I've moved around a lot, right? Because I married someone in the military. So in the last, we've been married almost 10 years. And in the last 10 years, we've lived in 11 different houses. Um, Actually moving here, we were in temporary housing until like a month and a half ago. For like five months, we were in temporary housing. So yeah, I definitely think that that's very well said because I, I also think, I like what you said about like not making the other person feel guilty. I think that there's this sort of, um, I don't know, internal bullying that happens in friendships when stuff like that, I would feel personally like, not to sound over melodramatic, but I would feel attacked if I texted someone out of the blue and I hadn't talked to them in a while and they were like, oh, snap, nice to hear from you. Like, I would feel really attacked and I probably wouldn't text them again. Right. So. <laughs> and that's, that's what's happened to some of those those former friendships of mine is like, I just knew that it was always going to be negative whenever if I did reach out. Yeah. yeah. And, and also just that kind of like, this is this goes both ways. Like you also haven't reached out to me. Like, yeah, 100%. You know, so so I think just allowing grace, like that's kind of an umbrella way of thinking about it but I think that that's a really important thing with friendships if you want to have a lasting friendship is that you have to allow grace for the other person well said so rather than give an additional thing I I want to take what Cassie has said and apply it to our friendship and so Cassie graduated high school in 2006, not to age us, but I'm going to do that. Uh, (laughs) Cassie graduated in 2006. And then, uh, so that was like the last time we were interacting regularly and doing theater actively together. And we probably saw each other like at a Christmas party or maybe a summer party over the next couple of years. But I'd say the last time we saw each other in person was probably 2008 or nine. Yeah, And then... We started the podcast in 2020. Yeah. So that's 11 years. And we saw each other once in between when Cassie came to Florida for her honeymoon. And the way that we were able to pick up when we started the podcast and like we interacted between, you know, we would say hello, message each other. Cassie sends me wonderful birthday presents that she would write for me for a few years after <laughs> after college, but that had stopped a while ago. And, and that's kind of what it is, right? It's that ability to go long periods of time and then 
pick up where you left off. And that's one of those things that like, it's not something that you, I think, can actively establish with a person. It's something that you, it's something about your dynamic and the way that you interact with each other that for some people, you know, some relationships that just doesn't happen. And we are fortunate enough that for us, I mean, this is how I feel. And Cassie's nodding, so I think she feels the same way that we were able to pick up and like start this whole like thing after not seeing each other for a really long time, over a decade. Yeah, and I know that there are people who I was as close to as I was to you mm-hmm. way back in the mid two thousands, <laughs> who I don't think I would have been able to connect with again right. this this way. Like, I think right. that our lives would have veered in, in two dichotomously different directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've always been united, though, by the promise of this novel that I was going to write for you. Yeah, like, that, <laughs> that was always the common thread running through the decades. <laughs> that kept us coming back to each other. Yes, indeed. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I think that's something our characters in the Lunar Chronicles would have. Mm-hmm. Because not to give away spoilers, but after the series, obviously there's going to be loose ends getting tied up. So some of our main characters may be separated and we'll have to wait and see if they are able to keep those connections. See, well Cassie, done. are you proud? I brought I'm so around. proud of you. I'm that so, so good. That was a great transition. <laughs> I'm very proud. I get a gold star. Okay. <laughs> what are you currently reading? I am reading... This Poison Heart by Kaylin Barron right now. I took a break from reading that to read Cursed and Gilded by Marissa Meyer, but we'll talk about that tomorrow in depth. Yes. Yes. I'm super excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, so the excited. other the other book, now that I finished those, the book I'm going back to is This Poison Heart. We did um, Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Barron on our par- podcast and didn't love it. I'm liking Mm-mm. this one a lot more. I'm having oh, the good. hardest trouble time getting into Cinderella is Dead. That's I valid. I well, trying to read it so and I'll get we. like two or three chapters and I'm like, eh. Um, a but, lot of people really love it, and we just, yeah, you could just listen to our episode yeah, and then exactly. you'll know what happens. Um, but I go. like yeah. this one a lot more, I think, because she's letting herself ha- have an original storyline. She's not trying to shoehorn a story that she wants to tell into Cinderella or like a fairy tale. Oh, this very much kind of stands on its that own. That can be very limiting. Yeah. And so I... I Again, I'm only about halfway through this one, and I haven't picked it up for like a week because I've been reading a thousand pages of Marissa Meyer. <laughs> Which hopefully you enjoyed. I did, but it was very stressful. Again, we're going to talk about that tomorrow, but I I was almost – I read 400 I read Gilded pages of early. I read Gilded in July of 2020. <laughs> Yes. And it was two days. I'll talk about this on our podcast. <laughs> By the way, Bethany is the, going to be on of Slippers and Spindles to discuss Yay. Gilded and Curse. So come listen to well, that episode. By the time, by the time, the time this, this episode drops, that yes. episode will have been like months ago. Yeah. but It'll be like a month ago. But but if you if you missed it, if you haven't heard it yet, come Head listen to us talk about that. Slippers and Spindles podcast, the link of which can be found in the episode notes of this episode. <laughs> Yes, but wait, but wait, I finished the book two days before Marissa announced that Gilded was a duology. So (gasps) I finished the book and was like, where is the rest of this story? I didn't know there was a sequel. 
(laughs) (laughs) You kept a fantastic secret, Drew, because Drew knew before anybody else that my name was in that book and you didn't say a word. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny because I told you when I got a copy and I was messaging you the whole time I was reading it and you still didn't say anything. So I'm I'm I wanted you to have the surprise. Yeah, I wanted Um, you to have that moment. So what are you reading, Drew? So I have two for you. So I am currently in the middle of Tiger Lily by Jody Lynn Anderson, which is kind of a prequel and retelling of Peter Pan from, but is from Tiger Lily's point of view. But Tinkerbell is the first person narrator telling you what Tiger Lily is going through. It's very interesting so far. Okay, that's an, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting framing device. And then the other one I have is that today I listened to the audiobook of Part of My World, which is Jodie Benson's autobiography, The Voice of Ariel. And I did not realize until I had finished it. And like three hours later, I was just scrolling on my phone and found out that today is the 33rd anniversary of the premiere of The Little Mermaid. I didn't even know that when I started the audiobook. I know. I was. That's my plan for this evening. Once we're done, I'm going to go watch The Little Mermaid. Yeah. She talks a lot about Howard Ashman in the book, and he's one of my like personal heroes. Um, anytime someone just like says his name, I start to tear up. So um, it was pretty emotional because she talked about like her journey with him and all that. I don't know who that is. He is the lyricist. Yeah. So Howard Ashman and Alan Menken wrote the lyrics and music for... Yeah, they wrote The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and some of the songs in Aladdin, but Howard Ashman passed away in the process of Aladdin. They also wrote Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Yeah, he was an... And Alan did some of the music for Tangled, so that's the only reason I know about Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, and many other other things. Well, now I know who that is, so when I see his name, I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah, there's a documentary about him on Disney Plus that is just, like, incredible. But what are you reading, Bethany? I forget. What am I reading? Okay, I just finished Spoiler Alert by Olivia something. Olivia Dade. Olivia Dade. Yes, I met her at Vegas Annual Book Festival a couple weeks ago, which Natalie went to and Amy joined me for. It was really good. It's a little too spicy for me, but Cassia does have... Pen it pals. has anonymous pen pals. It's on my shelf. Okay. I know. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. I haven't read it, but I own it. I found it at my used bookstore. And it's funny because our friend Laura just messaged me on Instagram <laughs> last week. And she was like, I found an anonymous pen pal book for you. I try to finish it before I message you so that I'm not telling you about a book that's not worth your time. <laughs> if it has anonymous pen pals, it's worth her time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's there were several times where I like I skipped a whole chapter because I was like, that is some grown up content that I do not need. Um, <laughs> I have I have heard that. So eventually, eventually I will get to that one. So I'm uh, listening to Gold Spun by Brandy June, which actually came out a oh, while yeah. ago, but the audiobook just came out and I got a copy of it from NetGalley. Um, and then after that, I'm going to read Once Upon a Royal Christmas by Terry Wilson, because I have no shame and I love all of those Christmas rom-com movies. And I desperately think there should be more Hanukkah ones. Mm. And then I'm going to read the new Tracy Wolf book called Charm, which is the fifth book in the Crave series. And I just met her, too. And she's like amazing. There were like 
70 people there at her signing and she talked to every single one. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. One of us one-on-one. Like anytime we came up to the table, she's like, Hi, I'm Tracy. Who are you? How are you? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your life. Like she wanted to know everything about us. And she was like, Do you wow. want I would love to get a picture with you. Will you get a picture with me? And I was like, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'll get a picture with you. Like, oh my God. That's she was really just sweet. like the nicest person. So yeah. Not only should you read Crave because it's basically Harry Potter meets Twilight, but the characters are really cool. And the main character, the girl character actually has a backbone if you were missing that from Twilight. So it's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, it was really fun to meet her. And that book is like a little over a thousand pages. So I have a feeling I'll spend a lot of time with it. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I didn't get the audiobook because it's like $45. So I'm actually, I, I looked at it because I was like, that's a really long book. I don't know if I have the, the time for that, but um, it doesn't matter because I'm not paying $45 for an audiobook. A thousand pages. That's gilded and cursed back to back. Which and I just also, did a reread of. <laughs> winter comes very close. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. just below not 900. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, winter is a little over 800. <laughs> Which I saved the last few chapters for you. Every I will tell you this right now. Every chapter you requested has your name on it. So, Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, so starting in January, you're going to be getting a lot of emails. <laughs> Beautiful, I love that. <laughs> we'll be well, back. Let's talk about some winter fan art. Um, I have Yes, because I'm looking really at some cool gorgeous art right now. So the first one is Lavana in Winter. It is by... Um, Twilight Earth on um, DeviantArt. I think it's really cool. It has a parallel of, you know, Lavana and Winter kind of back-to-back facing different directions. And Lavana is standing very regal. She's got great posture. Her nose is pointed a little bit upwards, you know. And then Winter is standing there. She looks kind of chill and relaxed, and her shoulders are, are relaxed and um, we see this great contrast. They both don't seem to have an expression on their face. Like neither one of them is smiling or frowning, but for some reason, Winters still looks softer. Mm-hmm. You know? The style reminds me of the Wires and Nerve graphic novels. Ooh, like this is kind that. of what Winter looks like in mm-hmm. in those. Yeah, especially the nose. Yeah. But Lavana also to me looks like sad she doesn't look haughty she doesn't look like arrogant in this it seems like an inner moment Mm, like where you're seeing the sadness that's inherent to her kind of come out a little yeah and if you look at her hand you'll see the bloody brush that uh, oh is that what that is yeah mm -hmm, that she uses to comb winter's hair um which is also from one of the one of the or you know quote og cinderella stories um is a comb with poison i believe right yes no way yeah yes poison comb thank you i i don't always remember those ones but you guys are here and you're experts so yeah (laughs) we try (laughs) so the next one is from holly one two seven nine four one three one six on pinterest and it's of Scarlet and Winter and Winter like reaching out to Scarlet and Scarlet's got her arms crossed on her chest and she says, no, Winter, I'm not going to hold your hand. And Winter's like, but why? 
Um, I love, I just deeply love the relationship between Scarlet and Winter. Me too. Do people ship? Yes. Do people ship Scarlet and Winter? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, of course they do. Especially because there are some of us who think that um, Scarlet might be bi. So Mm -hmm. I I personally do, but I know that not everybody agrees with that. So, but I have my own reasons, which I discussed on an episode where we talked about everybody's orientations. So there's, oh, I forget which episode it was, but somebody had emailed asking like, um, what we thought everybody if we if we thought any of the characters were in the LGBTQIA community and who and why. That's something that's interesting to track through mm-hmm. Marissa Meyer's work is the inclusion of people from the queer community and how there's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more mm-hmm. as as you go through her works which I appreciate because there's really canonically, there's none in the lunar chronicles, there's right? Not. Yeah. Well, she said that she always pictured Torin as gay, which Quentin and her agree on. I always pictured him as asexual. Like he was just dedicated mm-hmm. to the work, but it's not on the pages. It's, it's not, not it's book. all interpreted. Right. If you read cursed listeners, I hope you'll really like the, you know what? What were did you the inclusion story in that one? Because it made me cry. Yeah, because gilded it's and beautiful. Cursed, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, she includes like uh, the gods are non-binary, and yeah, there are some fun relationships. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely people that ship Scarlet and Winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what did you guys think of the fan art? Oh, it's really pretty. It's like exactly how I picture these two characters. Let's talk about Winter. Well, first we have to do chapter titles. Oh, yeah. Chapter titles from last week. Yes. Okay. So chapter 58 is Howl by Florence and the Machine. Chapter 59 is Make a Man Out of You from Disney's Mulan. And chapter 60 is People You Know by Selena Gomez. Okay. Chapter 61. Last week we left off Winter and Scarlet finally convinced the mutant soldiers to join Selene's ranks. And Lavana decided it's up to her to eliminate Winter. Book four. Are you afraid of poison? Asked the old woman. Here, I will cut the apple in two. You eat the red half, and I shall eat the white. We're in Cinder's perspective, so we haven't been with them in a few chapters. When we last left them, Thorne wanted to put rice in her head. Yes. So (laughs) I... I think I've talked about this before. I love Thorn <laughs> so much. And I think the relationship that he has with Cinder is really important mm-hmm. because like so many of the other people around her are like deferring to her or um, like Jason is, is harsh with her, but he's like angry harsh. There's not a lot of warmth in what he's doing because he's very like focused on winter and the end goal. To be but, fair, like, there's not Thorne... a lot of warmth in anything Jason does unless it has <laughs> no, to do never. with winter. <laughs> But, like, Thorne teases her and he, like, kind of pulls her back down to earth when she's starting to spiral, like, like, panic, like, what da 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 by, by kind of, like, agreeing with her and by, by kind of putting out into the world, like, yeah, it is weird that you're a princess. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, it is weird that you're, like, part robot. Like, he doesn't shy away from any of that. But, yeah, we're, we're with our friends and Thorne is there. Um, 
Jason, Ico, Thorn, Crest, and Cinder are all together. They're still trying to figure out, like, how much damage Cinder had from swimming. And just to pick up on Thorn, uh, I think it's interesting that Thorn is like, I got in trouble when I went into your head plate, and Ico gets to do it anyways. Which I am kind of like, yeah, but a few things. One, she knows Ico and has an established relationship with her, whereas at that time she had known Thorn for, like, 20 minutes. And wasn't even sure she liked the fact that he was escaping with her, right? Uh, Two, Aiko is a trained professional who actually knows and understands um, mechanics. Thorne does not. Well, I think this chapter does a really good job of um, making it clear to the reader how uncomfortable anybody being inside of her head makes Cinder. And so, like, it's very clear she doesn't like the fact that Aiko is there. But she does recognize that, like, this needs to be done. Somebody has to do it. And the circumstances are different because in this one, she's awake. So she can give conscious consent, right? She can give Mm -hmm. Iko consent. Whereas in the last one, she was unconscious. And so Thorne had to make that decision himself. So he didn't have permission. It makes a difference. So they want to prioritize this video, that Cinder took that reveals what's actually underneath Lavana's glamour because they think it is going to be the key in their revolution. Now, what do you guys think about this concept that if I, if if they can just prove to Lunars that her glamour isn't real, then they will then they will know that everything else she said isn't real, and they will immediately want a new queen. Are Lunars unaware that Lavana is using a glamour? They're not unaware that she's using a glamour, but they are unaware of what she looks like underneath her glamour. Most people's mm. glamour, because it's so difficult well, yeah. to use it long term, it just enhances what they already look like. Whereas Lavana, half of her body is deformed. And so she's right. been hiding what she truly looks like from everyone. She even hid it from Everett during their whole marriage. But it's not like Lunars love Lavana. No. So... I don't know. I don't know if this plan makes sense to me. I think there's an element in it of just like breaking the power that she has in terms of like, not just the lunars, but humans on Earth as well. And I think part of the intention is to show the video like everywhere. But I think there's this this kind of like, oh, she's she's beautiful and, and ethereal and mysterious. And if you can kind of strip that away... And show her for what she is. Like, no, she's not this perfect, you know, too good to be real specimen. She's a person with flaws. I think there's that element to it as well. But I don't know that it... I think it's, like, more of a desperate kind of grasping at straws for, yeah, like... I feel like I don't understand who this is for. Who... Right. Who are they trying... Who's on Lavana's side that... It, will be will have their opinion changed by this i also think that part of it is they're banking on lavana's reaction to the loss of her glamour that makes more sense i think they're banking on when lavana realizes that everyone knows what she truly looks like then her power which has already been wavering will will weaken that much further especially since lavana currently her mental state is very affected by what's going on 
and she's oh yeah she's crumbling she's she's holding it together right but she's also throwing platters and temper tantrums and locking people up and try and committing murder and um she's she's definitely losing her grasp on her country on her wedding on her attempt at uh conquering earth and its resources so i think that they're banking on lavana's reaction to the loss of her um illusion this illusion that she's created where she looks beautiful because that's been lavana's weakness her whole life yeah if this is a hit against lavana that mm-hmm. makes more sense to me yeah that, i mean that's sure. the only way i can really justify it because i don't necessarily think it's enough to be like look she's quote ugly so I don't like the concept right. that like if you have some kind of deformity, you're ugly. But I think in this context, it's just because of the way Lavana has tried to hide herself that makes it negative. Yeah. Or demeaning, maybe, is a good word. I'm going to move us on to... I'm just curious what you guys thought the power behind this little video was. So Cinder is very upset about her brain because she realizes that if she were at home... In her shop, she could fix it in, like, half a second, which I do find that's one of those cute little moments of irony, right? Where it's like, yeah, you could if you were at home and in your shop and you weren't, like, a secret queen trying to take over the moon. It's hard not having control, especially over something that, like, you know you can do. Yeah. But at this moment, you are incapacitated to do that. I I also appreciate her moment here where she's like I need to be grateful and she's like throwing herself a pity party and she's like I'm alive why am I complaining like I'm alive but I do kind of get that like I mean I've never been attacked by a tyrant and thrown into a river really but <laughs> no I haven't shockingly enough but there are definitely times where I'm like feeling really down about something or I'm complaining about something and there's this voice in the back of my head of like, you have so much to be grateful for. Why are you throwing a pity party right now? So I get her constant like trying to tell herself, like, stop complaining. It's not that bad. And yeah, I just appreciated the honesty in that. Very relatable, for sure. Mm-hmm. So basically in this chapter, they try to fix Cinder's brain and Cinder goes unconscious. And when she wakes up, her brain is sort of fixed and she can use her foot and she can use her hand. But the extremities on her hand don't work. Um, And she has a finger from Ico, which is very nice. The main Mm -hmm. component is that her brain interface does not work. The brain interface, which was Marissa's tool to inform the readers of everything in this world, which I still think that was a brilliant tool. Yeah, so smart. But I think what's also interesting is that without it, she feels like she can't communicate properly. And she- Yeah, and it's it's interesting because she spends so much time, like, kind of being frustrated with the fact that she's a cyborg mm-hmm. and, like, being embarrassed about the fact that she's a cyborg. And now all of a sudden she kind of realizes, oh, no, this was actually a really beneficial thing that I had the ability to do. And now that I don't have it, it's not even just that this is inconvenient. Like, she talks about um, it felt like a part of her brain had been erased. Like, it has fundamentally changed who she is. Mm. So who she is, how she thinks, how she communicates and, you know, thinks about her options. And it changes her options because without this interface, she doesn't know what's going on in the other sector. She doesn't know what's going on on Earth. She's like everybody else. It changes the way she sees the world literally and figuratively, right? Well said. Figuratively, obviously, but also she's no longer seeing 
text in front of her. Yeah, very well said. It always reminded me of Futurama. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that, but it's this show from the 90s and 2000s. It's an animated show where the main character gets frozen and wakes up a thousand years later. One of the features in this world that's in, you know, the year 2999 is the new iPhone, which is a phone that goes directly into your eyeball. Uh, <laughs> and so you see everything in your eye as it's happening, um, which is basically Cinder. So, yeah, yeah, I always thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same concept, except yeah. at least Marissa didn't put it in her pair eye. Pair it with a horrible pun. <laughs> I love I love when things are punny. <laughs> I secretly like puns, but don't tell anybody. Oh, I have no shame. I hate them. <laughs> hate them. But I secretly like them. But they're funny. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk really quick. Cinder loses consciousness, has a system crash, whatever you want to call it. What do we think it is? They were messing with her brain, so we want to say it was like a system crash. But then later, Jason is like, you're overworked and need to relax, which would more be a uh, a physical component. So what do you guys think? Do you think it was a system crash or a physical loss of consciousness from overwork? Uh, This girl's been through a lot. Yeah. It's both. And I personally love that she's worried about, like, what are my diagnostics? Like, what's wrong with me now? And Jason's just like, um, you're exhausted <laughs> and overwhelmed with everything that's happening to you. And guess what? Congratulations. This is another way you're human. Yeah. Like, if you don't take care of yourself, your body will take care of it for you. That's and that's true. just a reality. Like, if you if you push yourself too hard and you don't listen to your body, it will shut down on you. Been there. It will force you to get the rest that you need. Not to, like, be morbid or something, but um, that's actually one of the main causes of my seizures is if I work myself too hard or I don't get enough sleep, I'll have a seizure. So your body, at least mine, um, is pretty good about telling you when you need to chill out. You're just like Cinder. Yeah, but I don't have as many cool gadgets. Like, I just have my cell phone. (laughs) We can work on that. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So that's basically how the chapter ends. Um... Basically, Cinder wakes up and they decide they need to come up with a game plan. And the first thing they're going to do is fix Iko's arm um, and then try to figure out what to do to get to the palace. So let's talk about chapter titles. Yes, my chapter title is In Your Head by Mohombi. And I think I should win this one because, come on, In Your Head in your head they're literally in cinder's head the whole time this whole chapter is about what's going on in her head oh is that the same song yes oh i thought the in your head song oh i didn't know everyone thinks it's about zombies but it's mohombi he's saying his the name i didn't know um i thought it was by the cranberries for some reason um Mm -hmm. But I know that um, I always liked the Bad Wolves version of it, the rock version of it. I always liked that one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that I one, think I think, is actually called Zombies. But so it yeah, might be a yeah. different song. I'm pretty sure the the original is Mahombi's. Uh, but yeah, in your head. Come on. For the I win. I think so. Continuing my tradition at this point of only pulling song titles from musical theater because that's what I know. 
Um, I chose Friendship from Anything Goes. And while the title itself is pretty basic, like I was looking at the lyrics, you know, talking about this particular group of of friends and some of the lyrics from this song are um if you ever catch on fire send a wire if you ever lose your teeth when you're out to dine borrow mine um if they ever put a bullet through your brain i'll complain like that is such a thorn (laughs) sentence to cinder (laughs) so that's the one that i picked those are both really good choices too i this is like one of my favorite segments is getting to know people's musical styles and choices um, listen, so I, wait, let me be clear. These are not the songs that I listen to. I <laughs> I go by the titles. I very much only listen to musical theater. So Into fun. the Woods Broadway album is like going to be my number one thing on my Spotify rap this year. I love it. For sure. But I am willing to sacrifice the musical theater part of my, my life to find the right title. Perfect. Love it. What's I mean, your What's work. your title? Um, so I picked The Kids Aren't All Right by Fall Out Boy, one of my favorite bands. Um, the kids are not all right, as we can see. It's I like the reminder that we are dealing with children. The oldest person oh in the gosh. room is Jason, and he's not old enough to drink alcohol in the United yeah, States. He's like 20. So Wait, how old is Thorne? Isn't Thorne? No, Thorne's older. Is yeah. Thorne older than Jason? I thought they were I'm both 20. Sure. Because Winter's 18, and both, of, think, and both yeah. Jason and Thorne are 20. Me. I thought for sure Thorne was older. Carswell. I know, I'm Thorne. looking it up like uh, <laughs> characters birthdays. He's about 22, according to the Lunar Chronicles wiki. Thorne is 22? Oh, no, 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 wait. Sorry, no, I misspoke. He's Oh, 20. okay. I was like, what? Mine doesn't say that. <laughs> the list this I- is something that I find fascinating. Like, when I revisit books that i read specifically when i was a child and like as a child you're reading the books you're like oh these characters are so old they're so wise they get to go and have all these ventures and i like read them now and i'm like you're 16 you are a child yeah like i know 16 year olds i work with 16 year olds on a regular but you know basis who doesn't i would not trust that they're children any of them 16 year olds 16 year olds i would Daddy, not trust any I'm of them 16 to save years the old i'm not a child anymore pretty you're much a child we're referencing little mermaid once again it all it all connects so yeah, the fact that the fate of both the Earth and the Moon is resting on the shoulders of like a sixteen-year-old, a sixteen-year-old, a couple eighteen-year-olds, a couple twenty-year-olds, like that's terrifying. I'm looking. Not that up. they aren't perfectly capable, because they are. I'm looking Certainly. at Jason's. Birthday. However, they are teenagers. But they are, they are, they are high teenagers. schoolers. So yeah, Jason <laughs> is older. Jason was born July eighth. Um, no, that's not how time works. 106, 107. Okay, Cars- so yeah. Thorn- so Thorne's Thorn birthday was- is May 22nd. Yeah, Thorne was May 22nd, 106, and Jason's is July 107. So Thorne is the oldest. Okay. Oh, no, Wolf we is the oldest because he was born in 102. Oh. Oh, really? So, so Wolf is um, six years older than Scarlet. Huh. I think that if Marissa wrote these books now, the age gaps would be much smaller. Well, she said that, for one, she didn't expect everyone to have such a reaction to Thorne and... And Cress. And Cress, because she always saw their relationship as, like, very innocent and early. She never saw them... Mm-hmm. If you listen to our Cress episode, you'll know that she never mm-hmm. saw their relationship as anywhere near sexual. It was always, like, 
friendship on the verge of love. Wolf is six years older than Scarlet, who's barely 18 when the series starts. Um, so I always thought it was interesting that, like, everyone hates on uh, Cress and Thorin when Wolf and Winter, or Wolf and uh, Scarlet have a bigger age gap. And then I hear, like, so many people, they're like, well, she's 18. And I'm like, 18 is not a magic number. Right. Yeah. Like, that is right. not a magical component. Um, and then my thing is it depends on where you are because I've heard from a lot of uh, European listeners that they're like, why are all why is everyone in the States freaking out because she's 16 and not 18? Because in the United States, we base a lot of our decisions for young people on the fact that they're 18 years old. Well, and so, I'll talk about this more when we get to the chapters where the Crescent-Thorn relationship kind of like blossoms. Blossoms. Um, but one of the things I've always appreciated about that relationship is that he is so very much like your 16 arms length. Yes. <laughs> Not only just 16, but like you are super sheltered and super innocent. And like you have been in this satellite without human contact your entire life. And he desperately wants to make sure that before anything happens, if anything happens, that she's had a chance to have some life experience. Yeah. And, like, be firmer about the fact that that's what she wants. But, like, he is never at any point taking advantage of the fact that she is young and naive and in love with him without knowing who he is. Mm -hmm. He is always very aware of, like, where that line is. And I that's what I appreciate most about his character. Agreed. Yeah. I'm going to move us on to chapter 62 because I'm really Please excited don't. to talk about this chapter. We have to talk about quotes. We have it's to talk a fairy tale. Oh, quotes, quotes. But then, yes, the reason we're here. Cassie, you go first since I stole yours. Yeah. So so yeah, you you took uh, you took my favorite quote, but it's okay because I have a second favorite Thorn quote from this episode. Um, so the one I chose was uh, when I open her head panel, she yells at me. When I go, does it? She's a hero. Like because again, just bringing that levity to the situation. Mm-hmm. And I just I love him a lot. So I chose. Without being able to see inside her own head and offer an accurate diagnosis, it was difficult to know what they were going to need to fix her. And I chose that because I think that obviously we're talking very literally about being inside her head, but I think that's very relatable on like a brain level and like a mind and like a a psychological wellness level without being able to see inside your own head and offer a diagnosis. It's difficult to know what you need. And There's so, something very intimate about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, like, like that's a great quote for, uh, like, promoting therapy, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to be self-aware of what's going on inside your own head. So it can help to have someone else there. I agree. Yeah. What's your quote, Bethany? The one you I stole think, from Cassie. <laughs> I it's think the, best the one. princess term is fainted. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of, of when he so was much. talking about like aren't princesses supposed to be pretty and stuff like that with Cinder where he's he's always giving her a hard time um because she's not like your your t- she's not like other girls um she's not your typical princess so it reminds me of when she was like you can help me pick out a tiara after we save the world uh, yeah, this is like along those same lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's when she's like, I fainted from like I I passed out from stress, and he's like, the princess term is fainted. And again, it's just that like, it's bringing the levity and the teasing to the situation. Love it, love him. Okay, so chapter sixty two. Yes, it's a fairy tale chapter. It's a fairy, it's a fairy tale, tale chapter. chapter. 
Well, Drew, it's so, your chapter. You're really excited about it. Do you want to summarize really quick what no, happens no, no. in this chapter? This is Cassie's chapter. Cassie oh, this requested. This is Cassie's chapter. Okay, yes, Cassie. yes. I'm sure, right? Cassie requested this episode because of this chapter. It's and this actually, actually, Bethany reached out about this one because it is the, the Snow White, like, oh, crux. Sorry, okay. I pretty much always contact no, it's you okay. guys when we go back to the original fairy tales because you're my I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um. This chapter, I love this chapter because when I first sat down to read Winter, like I had to have a talk with myself and be like, okay, listen, yes, this is Snow White. This is her Snow White retelling, but this is also the culmination of this massive series that she's writing. So you need to keep in mind as you're reading that this is going to be much more series wrap up than it is Snow White retelling. Like, I had to actively have that conversation with myself <laughs> so that I wouldn't, like, leave going, well, but there wasn't that much Snow White in it. But these chapters where she does bring that story full force into her novel is done with such beautiful Marissa genius. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love this chapter because, like, this is the Snow White kernel of of the story yeah i also think that you know perhaps if we're looking at it objectively winter gets the least amount of fairy tale screen time Mm -hmm. right so it is good for her to do something like this so that we can bring back that comparison because a lot of the winter elements are like sparse uh, or a lot of the Snow White elements are sparse, and I think honestly, the most fairy tale elements we get are still from Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. Although when I was reading Cinder for the first time, and there was the line about like, "Oh yeah, they say that the Queen in the Moon has a stepdaughter," blah blah blah, I was like, "That doesn't sound like Cinderella. <laughs> that sounds like a different fairy tale." <laughs> I don't so think like the I seeds were planted it to a fairy tale at all. I think oh, I was the seeds just were like planted super early. Yeah, well, like I, super early. Yeah, that's one of those Easter egg things, right? But I think the first time yeah. I read Cinder, I wasn't thinking about like what other fairy tales could be connected to it. I was just reading it um, because I also didn't know that there was going to be more than Cinder until I got to the end of Cinder and then drove to Target at like middle of the night yeah. so I could get the next book. And I didn't either, but I I remember reading that sentence and going, that sounds like Snow White. (laughs) It was funny enough. I didn't read the Lunar Chronicles until they were all published, so I knew what was coming. So, like, as soon as it (laughs) said that Levana had a stepdaughter, I was like, "Mm, I know who that is. (laughs) But so we we meet Cinder, not Cinder. She's getting her head filled with rice. We meet Winter. (laughs) Um. In the woods with all of these, these you know, hybrid wolf men that they've rescued and they've saved. And they're all, like, <laughs> making their plan. <laughs> rescued, quote, unquote, you know. And she thinks she sees Jason. And she's like, oh, he's not supposed to be here. But he, like, puts his finger to his lips and he, like, gestures for her to follow. And I was really reminded of... Snow White and the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman, which mm-hmm. we did for our Snow White month, where... One of the ways that Snow White is lured to the curse is that they take the guise of her prince. Right. And so instead of instead of like being an way. old woman when she presents the the apples, she is disguised as the prince character. So I don't uh, think I've seen that. But which came first, this or that movie? When was this published? 14, 16, 2016, 2015. 
Snow White and the Huntsman was 2012. So that okay, so that one would have been first. Yeah, yeah, because that's the year uh, Cinder came out is 2012. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it makes sense to use that to kind of lure Winter away. Um, And so then, instead of finding Jason, she finds this this old woman who's like, "Oh yeah, I saw him. He was here." And he gave gave me a message for you. Yes, he left a gift with me, and it's a box with. Her favorite apple candies, apple petites. I have a suspicion about those. She says, like, oh, I haven't had those when I was since I was a little girl. And my brain was like, old lady living in the outer sectors, how did you get these? Lavana let herself crack up there. Because someone who mm-hmm. lived in the outer sectors their whole life would have never come into contact with these candies. Well, is it possible? I mean, maybe before Lavana's reign, there was a little bit more, you know, uh, treats out there in the world. I guess so, but it doesn't seem like it based on Channery and her. I mean, parents. Channery sucked too, but yeah. Well, yeah. so did their parents, and yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I think you could you could definitely look at this as like, oh, Lavana made a misstep here. Yeah. yeah. But Winter, you know, isn't necessarily going to catch it. Yeah, and you know what? It makes sense for Levana. Yeah, yeah. And I think it makes sense for Levana to maybe not even think about the fact that someone wouldn't have access to someone out in the outer sectors. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't occur to her. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so there's two in the box. And this is so smart. Like, oh, this is so, so smart because there's two in the box. And Winter immediately offers one of them to the old woman, which is straight out of the fairy tale, but reversed. So in the fairy tale, when the evil queen comes with the poisoned apple in the grim version, half of the apple is poisoned and half is not poisoned. And in order to win Snow White's trust, because at that point she's suspicious, the evil queen breaks the apple in half and says, here, if it'll make you feel better, I'll eat half of it. And then you'll know that it's perfectly safe. And so this is so phenomenal that mm-hmm. there are two. And Winter's like, oh, you must eat one with me. Yeah. I love it. I love it, I love it too. But she and one can't of them eat is, the cracked one. It's right, not the Which is princess. Yes. Because I think that Lavana knew that Winter would do that. that well, Winter you also don't want to mix like, it up yeah. and get the wrong poisoned one. And right, exactly. Yourself, right? So there's some visible marker of which one is poisoned. Right. Here's the cracked one. And, and it's so poisoned she... with uh, what we later find out is a strand of letamosis. I which love so, so Rebecca Solaire's performance of everything but i love her performance in this chapter because if you listen to the audiobook she has an old lady voice the whole time until she says like our eyes are never um what does she say like our eyes are are never reliable right up until that point she has old lady voice and then just very slowly morphs into lavana's voice and it's so Mm. spooky and perfect um Mm -hmm. and i just i always love her narration choices because she doesn't have to do that as a narrator but she chose to because she's she's our queen (laughs) and the fact that the apple is poisoned with the plague smart Mm -hmm. is such a brilliant tie-in to this larger world that she's created the fact that it's not what sends her to sleep what sends her to sleep is being put in the the suspension tank suspension chamber 
to slow the spread of the disease. Which it's also represents the coffin. The glass coffin. It's mm-hmm. just so smart. It's brilliant. And I don't know if you noticed, um, but there are seven wolves that get... Uh, yeah, I didn't count, but that oh. does not surprise me but that there, there are seven. there are seven that get mentioned specifically. Um, and they're the ones that are carrying like her suspension tank and stuff. So those are the dwarves. Oh, see, I thought the dwarves were um, Cinder, Thorn, um, Scarlet, Wolf, Ico, yeah, the other. Jason. Like, if you count up the group, it's seven plus Winter. Well, it's eight plus Winter because Ico. There's the four couples. There's no, four winter, couples. One, There's winter f- is in one of those couples, so she doesn't count. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. No, there's you're right. Still, there's yeah. nine. The group is nine. <laughs> We're literary people, not math people. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I think it's probably debatable who the dwarves are then. Yeah. I think it can appear in a couple different places, right? I think mm-hmm. she... Because they're know, not a here, deliberate um, inclusion in the story. Because yeah. you could also make the argument... I've, I've seen some people make the argument that all of her creatures that she took care of in the menagerie were her dwarves. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think there's lots of different interpretations. Right. But I don't think that it's something that's specific enough that we can contextually read the book and say, oh, it's definitely this. You know, it's kind of like the fairy godmother. The fairy godmother Mm -hmm. is actually three different characters in Cinder, right? So, you know, the dwarves could also be... Um, I'm I'm going I'm I'm going back to the Rampian crew because Jason doesn't count. He's the prince character, so that's it's valid. three couples plus Ico is seven. Okay, that's I'll, I will allow that. I accept Boom. it. <laughs> um, but but Lavana monologues here while mm-hmm. the the Love plague it. is taking over her evil villains. Her evil villain. Her evil speech. villain speech <laughs> where she's talking about like, oh yeah, go warn your friends because then you'll infect them and you'll do me a favor and like all this kind of stuff. And then she says maybe the biggest lie of the entire series, which Winter says, why do you hate me? And she says, I don't hate you. I am merely annoyed at your existence. That is such a lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think hates it's definite, She definitely hates her, but she also is definitely annoyed by her existence. From yeah. the second that she was born and had her father's love more than Lavana did, like, yeah. Yeah, but and, as and Winter points out, read. yeah, she could have had that love if she yeah. had just gone about things differently. Yeah, and if you read Ferris, um, there's definitely moments when Lavana is like, eventually I'll love her. She's my daughter, right? Like if I just spend enough time with her, and then like every time she spends with Winter, she's like, oh my god, this thing is so annoying. Yeah. Well, like so she like, says, Winter has everything she's ever wanted. She has yeah. the love of the people. She had the love of her father. And um, Lavana can't take that anymore. Yeah. It's too much for her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and so this pretty much the ends, end of the chapter. Yeah. Ends with Winter collapsing. Mm-hmm. Before she can warn any of her friends. Shall we do chapter titles? Yes. Mine is Bad Apple by Tribes. Mine Nothing is... too creative there. You, you, you <laughs> can see where that came from. Yeah. 
Mine is Poison in My Pocket from A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Mm. Love that song. Um, so mine is Tolerate It by Taylor Swift, um, which is a song about dedicating yourself to a relationship and hoping that the other person will love you back and instead they tolerate your existence. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Like one of the lines is, I know my love should be celebrated, but you tolerate it. And it's like, oh, good song. Not that anything she writes is bad. I- it makes me think of the relationship between Danielle and Rudmilla in Ever After. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, what were your quotes for this one? Mine was, you could have their adoration too, you know, she said, watching as Lavana's condescending smile hard into her face. If you were kind to them and fair. And she goes on from there. But mostly I liked this quote because she specifically uses the word fair which typically in a Snow White retelling or the original fairy tale, we talk about fairest of them all and fair being beauty. But here, Winter is using the word fair to mean just and kindness and saying, like, if you had treated your people fairly, they would have loved you the way that, you know, they loved me. Yeah. I think that's a good point to, um, I didn't, th- I didn't catch that connection between the word choice. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. We the talked way about Marissa, that a lot. Go listen to our Gilded and Cursed episode because the way Marissa <laughs> uses words is very intentional. And I have a whole speech and we're recording that episode tomorrow. So Cassie and I look forward to it. Bethany have not heard it yet. <laughs> Bethany, I caught an Easter egg in Gilded that is going to blow your mind. Ooh, I am so okay. excited to tell you. Anyways, Miss um, Cassie, what was your quote? Uh, so I chose... Um, I suppose one little bite won't kill me. I'll take this one if you're sure you don't mind. See, it has a crack in the shell, not fit for a princess. Um, And then only if you eat the other, because that's my favorite from this chapter. That's my favorite moment of correlation to the fairy tale. Very good. I like the part where it won't kill her. Because it Uh won't. Yeah. Unless she ate the other one. Well, even so, I am sure that she has taken the antidote. Right. Yeah. For this curse that, yeah. like, this plague that she created. I'm sure that plenty of the people in her court, well, not her court, but um, I'm sure that her guards have taken it, too. They might, oh, yeah. Like, like Quentin is required to take certain vaccines because he's in the military. So I'm sure that her guard has a similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my quote was, our eyes are never reliable. I feel like this is valid and relatable taken out of context of the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As humans, our memories are not reliable and our eyes can be very deceiving. A misplaced smile can be very deceiving. Someone with, um, you know, like what we talked about earlier with deformities can be deceiving. I think that our society is very influenced by looks and appearances And because of that, our eyes are not reliable because you can't judge someone by what they look like. But we do anyways. So I just found that to be relatable. For sure. I think it's it's there's also really interesting like layered meaning going the opposite direction as well in the fact that winter in particular, Mm -hmm. her eyes are also never reliable. Like it doesn't actually have much to do with being lunar. 
Right, it has to do I with mean, her it, lunar like in some Well, it has to do with her lunar sickness, but not in yeah, small yeah, but not in a way where it's like all lunars have this. Yeah. But, do you have a but it's like even more than most space. lunars. Or do you ever read something where you know yeah. the author just gets it? I'm Elise and I'm Priscilla and we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Okay, so chapter 63. This is a pretty short chapter. Basically, Scarlet is like, where's Winter? And then she finds Winter. Strom is like, girl's sick. And Scarlet is like, you little wimp. And he's like, no, she's sick. And then Scarlet is like, oh, my God, she's sick. Or they carry Winter back to the town. And the doctor says she has the plague. And they put her in a suspension take. And we end with perhaps one of the best cliffhangers, which is that there's only one suspension tank. I just love I always love that line. It's just chills. (laughs) I love it. It's a problem because... Scarlet, Scarlet also has the plague. That she yeah. has caught it from yeah. winter. So the version of the plague that has infected winter is like highly mutated. And it is much more rapid acting. Mm-hmm. So like winter is already getting the rings that are like the third uh, wave Symptom. of the, the, the strain like, or the third symptom third wave like the symptom that usually doesn't show up until like three weeks into it Mm -hmm. she's been infected for like three minutes and she's already there um and it's also much more contagious because just from carrying her not like across the compound not only has scarlet been infected but she has started to also show symptoms yeah and this is like what within an hour of lavana being there yeah how long do we think Winter has been unconscious when Scarlet discovers her? Do we think it's pretty quickly? Do we think it's like 20 minutes? I think it's fairly quick because like for as, as annoyed as Scarlet is by being Winter's caretaker, she is pretty like attentive. Yeah. That's true. And she even says that. She's like, where did that girl go? It's hard to keep an eye on her. Like. Yeah. I really love Strom in this scene. I love that he protects Scarlet. That Scarlet approaches Winter's body and as soon as Strom can smell <laughs> smell <laughs> that Winter is sick, he pulls Scarlet back to protect her. Um and I just really liked that instinct. I mean, they've yeah. known each other for like 2 days, but I and appreciated they've some, it. They've got some good banter because like She's like, oh, come on, don't be, you know, you've got all that muscle in those teeth and you're afraid of, like, a couple germs. And then when she actually sees what it is and she, like, pulls back and he's like, "Mm, now you listen. (laughs) I I love, she's like, when you said she had a disease, I didn't think you meant she had the plague. Like, because the winners don't don't know what it is. I live in an underground tunnel where I beat up other guys. I just know she smells sick. Well, and and lunars don't really know what the plague is because they're Mm -hmm. immune to it. Right. And so well, the it, fact that this can now infect lunars is a big deal. Something I wanted to point out is that um, animals, especially predatorial animals that hunt, oftentimes will hunt and seek out the weakest or the sickest of um, 
prey because they're easier to conquer. They're easier to catch and eat and kill. Um, so I think this draws back to the wolf in him that he can smell. Not this that he smells, but he smells sickness specifically mm-hmm. because what is he smelling? Some kind of hormone, most likely, or bacteria that's been released into the air that like humans probably can't smell. Like I can't smell it when I'm sick, for example, right? But animals can. You can't? So. I think you need to get your nose checked. I know. I smell it every time I get a cold. No, I don't Even though that means my nose is stuffed up and I can't smell anything. (laughs) Yeah. But But here, at at the end of this chapter, we get this beautiful, like, again, Snow White visual parallel of not only putting her in the suspension tank that has, like, a window so you can see into it, but moving that tank outside so that she can be seen. Yeah. It's the glass coffin. It's the glass coffin, and it's just, it's a brilliant move. I also appreciate Scarlet's brilliance. Where would the candy have come from? Where would the plague have come from? And then Scarlet almost immediately is like, she didn't leave us untouched. She left us with the plague, and I already have it. Yeah. Scarlet is very intuitive um, and is able to put the pieces together very quickly. And I appreciate yeah. that because I'm not sure that, you know, if she weren't there, I'm not sure the villagers or Strom would have been able to do that. No, they wouldn't really have had a reason to suspect Lavana. Right. Yeah. Of, of doing this particular thing. Where's my book? I am afraid, said the doctor, sounding very afraid indeed, that we have only the one tank. Scarlet held his gaze. So? Lips tightening, he gestured at her. Scarlet followed the look to her own hands. Nothing. Nothing. Then she saw the red ringed bruise on her upper arm and cursed. Scarlet has the plague dun, too. Dun, dun. That's actually my quote for the chapter. I'm sorry, because I should have looked No, no, ahead. that's okay. I just because... really chills from that, you know? Well, like... and that's that's why I chose it, because I remember reading that sentence for the first time when reading this book. Same. And I remember like... how my stomach, like, dropped out Aww. when the when the doctor was like, we only have one tank. And I'm like, no, not Scarlet. Yeah, because Scarlet's fairy tale is done. She doesn't have to make it through. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I remember reading it. Um, Quentin, my husband, really loves to watch me read books because I'm very, I apparently get really good facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm very reactive. And I remember I was reading it and I was crocheting a pair of gloves for one of my friend's kids for their birthday. And I was like, damn it, I have to get these gloves done by tomorrow. But winter just came out. Oh. Like winter had literally just come out. I was reading it that night. Um, and I remember I was like trying to read while crocheting. And apparently at one point I went <gasps> and I like audibly gasped. And Quentin was like, what happened? And I was like, she has the plague. Oh. So I remember that vividly because apparently my mellow dra- drama came out in reaction to it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about songs. So I chose the song White Winter Hymnal, which I think is best known for the cover that Pentatonix did. If you haven't heard it, it is beautiful. I recommend it. But I'm just going to read you the lyrics because I think they really apply to this. So here we go. I was following the pack 
all swallowed in their coats, with scarves of red tied round their throats to keep their little heads from falling in the snow. And I turned round, and there you go. And Michael, you would fall and turn the white snow red as strawberries in the summertime. Which to me is all about, I mean, if I apply it to this chapter and to what's going on, it's about winter having fallen and now Scarlet with scarves of red tied around their throats, her in her red hoodie, falling as well. And inside of around her throat is around her arm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it yes. could be. Yeah, yeah. Very so that's good. that's my chapter title. Cassie, what's yours? I chose Hold On from Secret Garden. It's a beautiful and song. And it's a be- it's one of my favorite musical theater songs, but the title works, but the lyrics also like just fit this moment like so so much cuz it's it's the character of Martha in the Secret Garden who's giving advice to Mary who feels like her world is completely crumbling. And the advice is, you know, hold on just another day. Hold on to the people around you. Hold on because it's this day, not you, that's bound to go away. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this is like, it's such a good song. You should listen to this song. It's phenomenal. Bethany, it's so not fair that your patrons vote on the chapters before we get to explain our thought processes. It makes sense <laughs> because I know you want them to vote uh, without knowing which one. Yeah, like, well, because you don't want them to just pick I the Bethany s- one every time. <laughs> the main reason I started that was because um, it was this huge debate in one of the Zoom meetings um, because there's a lot of Swifties on the dis on Patreon and on the Discord, and um, there was someone in the uh, one of the meetings that was like, you know, I don't want to know who selected the Taylor Swift song anymore. I'm tired of it because sometimes it's Bethany. Sometimes it's somebody else. If it's Bethany, I feel like, well, I can't choose that because she chooses Taylor a lot. If it's somebody else, I feel like, well, am I judging Taylor just because Bethany's not the one that chose it? And it was this whole thing. And apparently a lot of people felt that way. Huh. So I mean, they totally I get like, it. I understand. Yeah. But so I, want, I left it. I want my justifications It's like the out voice. There. You don't know until you know. <laughs> it's more like the mass singer we're we're like they vote and then they reveal who who it is take it off take it off i haven't watched that but i've seen a couple like video clips when i'm scrolling through instagram like adrian bylon singing hallelujah which was beautiful Um, it's a garbage show you don't need to watch it (laughs) okay so i chose hesitate by jonas brothers which is a beautiful song um I like the 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 concept that we have here that Strom hesitates to help Winter, but Scarlet doesn't, um, and that the people in the village also don't really hesitate when it comes to helping Winter. The doctor doesn't hesitate at all. He's like, "Yeah, we have a suspension take. Let me get her in here right now." Um, but some of the words that I really find beautiful, you should really just listen to the song because it's gorgeous. Yeah. But I will take your pain and put it on my heart. I won't hesitate. Just tell me where to start. Scarlet immediately takes control of this situation. She does have a hesitation. There is a moment where she's like, that's the plague. But then she's like, all right, carry her up here. What can we do to suspend the process? Do you have a suspension tank? Like she takes care of it so fast. Um, And then one of the things I like is time only heals if we work through it now. We need time to heal winter, you guys. Oh, we have good. to stop time so we can heal her. 
Yeah. Just beautiful really song good. choices, everyone. I love that. I love the yeah. listening. Yeah. We delivered on this one. We did. We really yeah. did. Bethany, I have to say that I love it when you swear because I love the little whoop sound that you <laughs> edited. <laughs> you know, I used to put in the like noise and yeah. um, there was one time I was like, oh, I forget who it was, but somebody had messaged me. I think it was Rebecca. I think it was Rebecca the librarian messaged me and was like, okay, you have to find a new noise because I listen when I'm on a run and I have headphones in. And when the giant noise comes, I'm like, what just happened? So that's <laughs> why I, I put in the like cute little water droplet noise because I think it's yeah. a little it's a little less deafening and it kind of flows a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Ours is just like a beep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the horn honking noise. Right? Like we a, don't like curse that often. Yeah, no, we very rarely. I curse more than I thought listening. I didn't know I cursed a lot until doing the podcast. But apparently <laughs> I say the F word like crazy in real life. Which is funny because when I taught preschool, I didn't curse at all for like four years. Right. So, I That's don't know. probably good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's talk about our quotes for this chapter. Mine was, uh, this is Strom talking. He says, the people admire her. They should be able to see her, a reminder of what we're fighting for. I always love, you know, in dystopian novels or war novels, not that I read a lot of war novels, but I love the concept of, like, creating that icon for people. Like, you think of the obvious one is Katniss in The Hunger Games and the way or they Or Helena intentionally... Troy is who I was thinking of. Oh, interesting, yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of, like, intentionally building up a mythology around this person and using them as an icon whether they are prepared for war or not that's something that the people can rally behind and i think that's what they're going for here with winter which i think is such a cool concept for a snow white character agreed i talked about mine i talked about mine already a little bit um just the i'm afraid we've only the one tank because of like that stomach dropping moment from when i read it the first time but I also just love from there to the end of the chapter with what Bethany you read or you put in, like going all the way through Scarlet's reaction, because it's such a Scarlet reaction because it, like, it, you know, Marissa's censoring herself a little bit. She's like, Scarlet saw the thing and cursed. And you just know that Scarlet mm. dropped an F-bomb that she just looked yeah. at and went off. <laughs> well, that's like, actually the fourth time that Scarlet has cursed instead of uh-huh. saying a word. Oh, um, really? you one know of the first Scarlet. times we saw it was when Wolf showed up at her house the first time she was cooking eggs and she was like, the fuck is he doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, and but you obviously just know. she didn't curse. She, she, Car- I think it was like Scarlet yeah. said a, a swear word her grandmother told her not to say anymore or something yeah. like that. See, yeah. You it's know so Scarlet. Scarlet, to be the one. <laughs> Scarlet has a dirty mouth. Like yeah. 100%. <laughs> and you know her um, grandma did too. Like, and it's, yeah. yeah. And it's not even so much like the language as just like I can see the entire attitude. I can hear the inflection. Like just Scarlet's reaction to this being not like horror, not like fear. Just like Come on, really? Michelle like Benoit. Kind of. <laughs> Michelle Benoit absolutely told Scarlett never say that word. And Scarlett absolutely learned that word from Michelle Benoit. One hundred percent. I think it was an F bomb. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> Bethany, um, so what, my quote what was your quote? Was the same as yours. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. I'm sorry. And for the same reason. Um 
I, I think that Winter is a very good reason of what they're fighting for. Obviously, so is Cinder, but specifically Winter is the one who recruited these men. And Winter mm. is the one who walked... These people have never met Winter, or Cinder or Celine, but Winter is in this village with these people encouraging them. So is Scarlet, right? But she's not a princess. Um, so, yeah. Although that brings an interesting point. If Scarlet was the one that got poisoned and not Winter, would they also say that she's someone worth fighting for? No, probably not. I don't think so. I think but they winter might have still put her in the symbol. suspension tank, but I don't think it would have been the yeah. mascot level that Winter is. And I don't mean yeah. that in winter, a bad way, but that's obviously what she is. No, winter it absolutely is a matters if it's Winter. Yeah. To the people throughout. Yeah, like yeah they, know, they know who she is. They know who she is. She's always been kind to them. She's always been like of the people because she was a commoner once. She's a princess now because her dad married Lavana, but she wasn't born a princess. And so she kind right. of bridges that both sides of that divide and i think that that's winter has in many ways always been a symbol for these people because of how she came to be a princess because of her kindness because of her compassion and also because of her refusal to use her ability to manipulate people yeah but also and because so I think she's firsthand seen the suffering of the people remember all the mm-hmm. blankets that she made for the people yeah. and um this, the the townspeople of Artemisia, the workers. Um, yeah, I think that she especially is, um, um, you know, they have a very high affection for her because she is someone that they can look up to. Um, and it's like Strom says, they should be able to have a reminder of that. So that is it for today. Next time we're going to cover chapters 64, 65, and 66. My friends, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? We are at Of Slippers and Spindles on Instagram. And we have a Facebook group that's Of Slippers and Spindles. So if you are a fairy tale fan, fairy tale retelling fan, come find us there. Most importantly, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. That's where you can uh, find our episodes. If you want to listen to us talk to Bethany Moore, she was on with us to talk about Heartless back in February. She was on to talk with us about Beastly by Alex Flynn. That was like two years ago now. And yeah. our Gilded episode, Gilded and Cursed, it's out there by the time And um, a Cinderella story a couple months ago. A Cinderella ago. story. Yeah, yeah. Hillary yeah. Duff. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget Hillary Duff. Of course not. Or Chad Michael Murray. Come on. Right? <laughs> And if you uh, decide that you like us a whole awful lot, um, we also have a Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash of slippers and spindles if you are in a position to support us financially. And we deeply appreciate that. Yeah, it's only one or three dollars and we do a book club and uh, you get to vote on which fairy tales we do on the podcast. <laughs> you can follow the Prince Kai fan pod on Instagram, rate, review and subscribe. And until next time, don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. Bye. Bye, friends. Bye. The chapters discussed today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer, and the audio clips were from Rebecca Solaire's performance of Winter in the Camellon Audiobook Production. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Anyfinger, and today's special guests were Drew and Cassie from Of Slippers and Spindles podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You.
you are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.